You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, one of the podcasts of the Dark Discussions News Network, www.darkdiscussions.com, a network that has uh, updates daily, so if you're a fan of movies, especially genre and art house films, uh, you should check out the site every day, multiple times, because we have many podcasts, as well as articles, news releases, uh, and whatnot. We actually had a new article today, a Confessions of a Cinephile, uh, talking about a 2021 film called Open Your Eyes, um, and it was a uh, article written by David Garrett. Uh, David Garrett is uh, one of our many contributors on the website, and everybody should definitely uh, check it out, www darkdiscussions.com. We also have an email at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or just press the contact us link on the website and that will send an email directly to us and we will read your emails on the site. Uh, now, before we uh, continue, uh, one other thing, uh, we have a Patreon, so anybody who wants to donate to the podcast, just press the Patreon button on the website or go to uh, patreon.com backslash dark discussions, and for every $5 that you donate, uh, you get to give us a film that you would want us to review, and after every three months or a quarter, we pick randomly out of a hat to, for all the contributors, and we will do an episode on that movie. Uh, so just a heads up there and any money that you give is greatly appreciated. We just moved to a brand new, uh, server. And so as a result, uh, uh it, it cost, a uh, a sum. Uh, now, uh, before we begin, I'm one of your co-hosts, Philip from the state of New Hampshire in the U S of A and with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Going good. Excellent. And in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Johnny Noel, how are you? Johnny, how's it going? Excellent, sir. Very good, very good. All right, so we're here uh, to uh, talk about a film. Uh, before we get into the information about that film, uh, Barrett, what what is this month that we're doing? What, what's going on here? This is LGBTQ month, and we are watching a movie a week, um, films in that area, um, and reviewing them. That's right. Specifically, uh, lesbian art house films, uh, not that grindhouse uh, lesbian films or uh, uh, male to, uh, or homosexual gay lesbian. I mean, gay films are any are no issue either. But uh, we're we're specifically focusing on uh, lesbian art house films. 
so that's what we're doing. Uh, we did this last month year where we talked two films. We did AWOL starring Lola Kirk and uh, My Summer of Love starring Emily Blunt. And uh, both of those uh, went uh, pretty well for us and got a lot of listens. Uh, so we greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so uh, this month, this year, 2021, and today is June 9th, 2021, and uh, we do have a new film. So, uh, Barrett, what is that film we're going to discuss tonight? We are going to be discussing the 2006 film The Gymnast. My name is Nicole. Um, Jane. Yeah, I know who you are. Can I ask you a question? Okay. Are you afraid of heights? Hi. I'm sorry, I must have the wrong place. No, you don't. I'm so glad you could make it. Come on in. Serena, this is Jane. Jane, this is Serena. Serena's in my adult class and kicking butt. That was beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> Serena, could you step on the ladder for me? Sure. Okay. I want you to climb up. Okay. <laughs> Start from a sitting position on the floor. And don't use your legs. Don't use my legs? Mm -hmm. No legs. Here, put them in the uh, That's right. Uh, the Gymnast is, as Barrett said, 2006. Uh, it stars Drea uh, Weber, Addy Youngmi, and uh, David De Simone, among a few other folk. Uh, directed by Ned Farr and produced by Ned Farr, who is actually um, the husband of Drea Weber. Uh, the film is dedicated to actor David DeSimone, who uh, unfortunately passed away before the movie was actually released uh, at a fairly young age, and so they dedicated the film to him. Uh, the film is written by uh, someone named Michael Karp, and it was actually released January 15th, 2006. Uh, it's got an, uh, fairly decent reviews, uh, uh, some mixed, but uh, generally uh, positive. Um, the film has... Uh, been been noted by such uh, companies as Variety, so it, it uh, uh, has been noticed by a number of important uh, Hollywood magazines and newspapers, uh, even if it is a indie film. Um, so I guess we can get on and discuss how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. And uh, I guess we can start with you, Johnny. 
Uh, okay, so I heard about the film um, through you, Philip. You uh, you said, hey, we're going to be uh, doing these um, LGBTQ um, art house films for the month of June and uh, basically essentially assigned uh, the 2006 film Gymnast for me to watch, and um, I watched it, and that's how I heard about it. Uh, probably wouldn't have heard about it if it wasn't for your um, suggestion. Um, yeah, so that's how I heard about it. And I watched it, uh, I guess, uh, about a week ago or so. And uh, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I typically, as you as you know from my other um, reviews, I like movies that are a slow burn. So this was definitely a slow burn type movie. So I, I enjoy those. Um, I liked it uh, very much. Um, I thought, uh, I don't want to jump right to the ending, but the, the ending for me just completely blew me away. I thought it was tremendous because I didn't see it coming. And it was just an unbelievable way to wrap up the movie, but we don't have to get into those details yet. But um, I thought it was well done, um, well acted, well written. Um, it, there wasn't like an overload of sexuality and, and unnecessarily gratuitous sex scenes in the film either, which I thought um, played well for the movie too. Um, you know, it, it, there was a lot of character development there. And um, yeah, I just, I generally enjoyed the movie. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, how I heard about the film, uh, I, I honestly don't remember how I heard about the film, uh, except uh, I think it was I was going uh, through last year, or actually 2017, maybe. I did a Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews way back when I, I tried to do it as a solo cast. And um, I did the month of uh, June then, and I did like six films. Um, and this was one of the films that I think popped up on uh, the list of films that um, I had gotten. And so I heard about it then, um, I think, and, that, and that's how I heard about it. And uh, I heard it was had decent reviews. Um, and uh, so I picked up the disc, uh, but I never watched it until uh, Sunday night, I think it was, of uh, this, this month here. And um, yeah, my thoughts on the film. Um, yeah, yeah, it's re it's a really good film. Um, uh, specifically, the the first uh, half of the film I enjoyed a, a whole lot. Uh, even before they got into the relationship between um, the two lead actresses, I felt uh, just seeing um, the day in the life of this this woman um, who used to be a gymnast for the Olympics, as well as in real life. Um, and the actress was as well. And then her just doing her daily job as a masseuse, uh, not a Deshaun Watson type of masseuse, but a, a real masseuse. Uh, Johnny Noel get that joke. Um, but generally, um, that was pretty interesting. And then when they begin doing the Cirque du Soleil, uh, so once they start doing that, that was kind of interesting too, seeing it in uh, behind the scenes where people are, are trying to, get a program off the ground. Um, actually, there was a third character that I liked a whole lot that unfortunately had to leave um, uh, her character. Something happens and she has to leave, which kind of um, deflated the movie just a bit because I liked her character a lot. Um, and the relationship uh, part uh, in the second half of the film was, was okay. Um, I wasn't a, as big a fan of that part as I was the first half of the film. Uh, but then, uh, as Johnny Noel said, the, the credit sequence scene was, was absolutely phenomenal and uh, 
really uh, was a great way to end the film. So yeah, I, I would give it a thumbs up and definitely something to check out. Uh, Barrett. Yeah. Um, I heard about this film from you. Um, I watched it probably, I don't know, five days ago. Um, I enjoyed this film. I thought it was pretty good. And I, like I've said last year, these are not typically movies I would watch. Um, I'm very big on horror. So that's about all I watch with some action in there. And, and I don't typically watch dramas of this nature, uh, but I thought it was really good. I went in with low expectations and was blown away. I thought it was way better than I thought it was going to be. Um, and I really liked the aerial dancing and a lot of that was really cool. And just seeing, yeah, the day in the life and there was some really good character development. Um, and I like that as well. And yeah, the end is, is great. All right. Very good. Um, so before we, uh, start talking about film and whatnot, uh, do we have a wiki Barrett? Sure do. Um, here we go. Jane left gymnastics when an injury killed Olympics hope. Now 43, she gets a chance to perform a demanding dance in the air with Serena. The intimate act makes her forget her dead marriage. All right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, the uh, interesting uh, thing about the, the film is uh, um, the other lady who uh, stars in the film, uh, and that, that who plays Addie, um, she actually, uh, as a, as a dancer or has been doing dancing for such acts as Madonna and, and I think Beyonce and a few others. So she's been around doing that, uh, but only gets small parts in films. Generally, uh, the actress's name is Addie Youngman, young me. Um, so, uh, yeah, so both of the, the two leads, uh, actually are former or are actually, uh, some sort of, uh, skilled in athletic things or, um, I guess dance. Uh, so Serena was, uh, which is Addie Youngmeep is, uh, a dancer in real life. And Drea Weaver who plays Jane was a, a gymnast in real life prior to, uh, acting. Um, now, uh, for folks who are curious, uh, dark discussions, uh, well, not dark discussions, but Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews, uh, basically critiques and reviews films. So uh, that means we go into spoilers, specific scenes, uh, talk about everything and anything, uh, symbolism, uh, metaphors, all that good stuff. So uh, we, we spoil films uh, because, again, we critique and dissect, not just review. Uh, but before we get into uh, the spoiler territory, I'm going to talk about some of the uh, non-spoilery stuff. Um, and, uh, anyone have anything that they wanted to bring up in general? Um, John, let me ask you, have you, have you seen any, uh, films in this genre before? Uh, obviously art house. I know you've seen a number of art house films and I've recommended many to you in the past. And I, I think you did see a while. I recommended that one to you, right? So you may have seen some films in this uh, sub genre of art house drama, I guess. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, uh, I never would have watched AWOL if it wasn't for your suggestion. I think a year ago around now or whenever it was, definitely last summer. Um, and I thought that was an excellent film, uh, although I didn't find it, um, you know, I did have too much of an LGBTQ uh, vibe. It was it was a different type of vibe. I love seeing your dog in the background, by the way. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good. 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 That's, that's tremendous. Uh, but we can't gloss over the fact that you're, 
as French as you are, and you didn't know how to pronounce uh, Circus de Soleil or whatever it is. I, I, I just, I still, I can't let you. I can't well, let you. You're French too, you know well, you know. I mean, come on. Yeah, but I didn't pretend I knew how to pronounce it. I was gonna just pass on it, but you know. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. well, we, that's why um, we're here. Yeah, but typically I don't watch this genre. I do watch a lot of art house films in general. In fact, um, before I, you know, kind of schooled myself, so to so to speak, on you know what kind of, you know, what art house films are basically. Uh, you know, I was a fan of them and I watched many of them and didn't even know they were considered art house films. But uh, I don't watch this genre typically. But um, again, this particular film. Uh, again, I went into it like Barrett with my, you know, the bar not set very high and ended up very very surprised. So, yeah, for me, art house films are like really weird ones. <laughs> the ones that I typically go to see, like uh, Malkovich, being John Malkovich, that type of film. Oh, that type, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess the definition, from what I understand it, is that it's any movie that's mass produ- is, is produced not for mass audiences. So, right. You know, I guess, but it's funny how some of these, um, you know, art house films become exactly the opposite, you know, cult classics or, you know, you know, you know, part of pop culture where everybody has seen these movies, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. 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 And yet, and yet the, the best ones are the hidden gems that no one knows about, to be honest. I mean, like AWOL, I mean, that's not a pop culture iconic indie film that was promoted by, um, the, you know, mayor, uh, that, uh, or, uh, IFC or, or one of those companies. So um, uh, it'll never get the audience that people uh, should probably, it's the movie should have. Um, you know, the, most of the folks who've probably seen it are either uh, fans of Lola Kirk um, or are um, obviously into um, the LGBTQ subgenre itself. Um, yeah. So I, I would, I would, say that i'm i'm really into um art house films especially uh ones about the day in the life um human drama and things of that nature and um th- this one definitely is is sort of like that especially the first half i felt um so yeah um i i usually prior to doing this podcast or the dark discussions news network the only films i ever watched were dramas really um except when i you know not including when i was younger but um, that, yeah, this one would qualify. Um, now, what, what else did you, anybody wanted to bring up or discuss before yeah. we uh, get into spoilers and stuff? Yeah, I thought the aerial dancing was really cool, and I mean, I don't think I can think of a specific film that did such a good job of showing it and showing what goes into doing that. Um, it it was really cool. I mean, I liked watching that as they were building themselves up to be able to do it. And they each had their own skills to support each other. And that one woman saw that they both had those skills. Um, so that, I just really liked that part. I thought it was a really good part of the movie. Yeah, I, I would I would concur. Uh, a, lot, a lot of these art house films are, are very interesting because they take these niche professions or, or hobbies and, and focus on them. I remember a few years ago, the Peter Fonda film... Um, Yuli's Gold came out and people were talking about that and he actually, real small film, but he was nominated for Academy Award and that was about beekeeping and wow. and people thought that was kind of interesting because no one's ever seen a, you know, a film about beekeeping and and you learn a lot about beekeeping in, in the day of a life of a, of a person around you know the family drama and all that 
And, and uh, you know, this film kind of falls into that category of, of this obscure uh, profession slash hobby, depending on your perspective, and um, focuses a lot on that, um, as, as you even said, John, uh, more so than the LGBTQ um, backstory. So, you know, like AWOL, you could argue that film when we, uh, you know, folks can go back and listen to that episode of the podcast. Um, I kept on saying, oh, this is, this is about um, uh, poor white people and um, a small town America that's, that's um, lost their jobs and things like that. And the LGBTQ is just a little side thing. On, in the background it's just um, who they were right i mean it was yeah. part of who they were it wasn't the story the story was how they lived and where they lived and what was going on in their lives yeah exactly exactly and that film had a lot more to say about uh society in general than just the the lgbt uh, piece of it and uh this film here uh, especially the first half um was really about a woman who loses her dreams because of an injury as a child or, or as a young woman, I should say, and is now living a A to Z life, you know, grave uh, birth to the grave type of life where she seems unfulfilled. Um, and she may not even know what her real dreams are because one, one dream that she talks about throughout the entire film is trying to have children. Um, and that's one of the big things she wants in life and always wanted in life. Um, so um, I think you could argue that this film is more about that than anything else. And it's kind of curious um, uh, how they, they go about um, showing it. In some ways, it's unfortunate that things get pigeonholed because, um, I mean, a lot of this stuff the story is not about, I mean, it's about relationships, but it doesn't matter if it's male on male, female, female, you know, whatever. It, those are just the side part of the story. It's not necessarily the story. Yeah. And that's why I like movies like that because that's real life, right? We all know, you, yeah. know, you know, we all know homosexual people. We all know, you, you know, it's just, it's just regular life. You know, it's, it's not overdone. It's just like a, a subplot of the plot. And I, and I really appreciate movies like that, that represent the, the cross sections of society. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, indeed. Uh, now, uh, a couple of things that are uh, interesting about this film, this film here, um, the lead actress, not the lead actress, the lead character, uh, uh, Jane, uh, she actually had in, in theory, never shown uh, any interest uh, in the same sex or to have a same sex relationship ever. And so um, you could argue maybe, maybe she just started um, becoming attracted to one of her co-dances because of uh, the lack of quote unquote love in her family, family or relationship. But um, the, the thing that, that, is curious is uh, I heard it on a podcast the other day, and I, I won't say the the podcaster um, because it's a um, it's a po po political podcast, so that's, that's just a private thing. Um, but uh, he mentioned something, and it had nothing to do with this movie. But he, he was talking about um, people and relationships and whatnot, and he was mentioning that um, what if you cheat on your spouse 
are you being selfish? Because, or, or even, in other words, once you choose choose your relationship and 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 try to make it work, and then you go off and do something else. Are you living in the moment rather than, and selfishly rather than, um, I guess, um, responsibly? And um, a lot of films are like this, whether it's an LGBTQ film or whether it's just regular drama, you see, you know, that's, I mean, an interesting film is a topic where you see people cheating. You know, if, if it's just a happy marriage or a normal marriage, there's no movie. So, uh, what's your thoughts on that? I think uh, that at least 75% of life is about selfishness. I mean, you are the most important thing in your universe. And um, yeah, I mean, doing that to someone that you've committed yourself to and you don't have an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship, then yeah, you're you're kind of betraying that other person. Now, if if you... What about if uh, you marry someone of, of the opposite sex, but then determine later that you're you're homosexual or, or, or LGBTQ, I guess, um, and then you break it off the marriage? Is that any less selfish than, say, uh, heterosexuals who? decide to just break off a relationship because they found the secretary is hot or something. It's no less selfish or more selfish. I think they're equally, and it's not necessarily selfish. I mean, if you find that you're not in love with your spouse anymore, then that's not necessarily selfishness. It's just how you feel. Yeah. And that's fair. I was just curious because I mean, some people say, yeah, but if there's no abuse in the relationship and the relationship, if you worked on it, could, could, become better if you you stayed in it is that more responsible than just quitting it um i don't know i i think that if you wanted to be in the relationship you'd work on it <laughs> right yeah i mean that's fair i mean i mean who knows what reasons people do these things because uh they may be selfish or like you said maybe it's it's just quote unquote dead the relationship but i guess it comes down to yeah and people uh, change too right people change yeah yeah so I, you're I, not I, the same person you were 20 years ago so sometimes you do fall out of love with people i mean it can happen right yeah it, it's just a curious thing that i wanted to bring up because uh it was a interesting aspect when i heard the podcast and i had just seen this film and it's like oh that's kind of really interesting yeah uh, phil yeah. your uh, your your catholic background is is coming through here where you're like, oh, you work on the marriage no matter what. You know, you're saying it, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't even know if, it, if it's that. It's just, I was just thinking of uh, responsibilities versus uh, selfish. selfish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it, is a responsibility worth being unhappy the rest of your life? Is it worth that other person being unhappy for the rest of their life? I mean, I guess it all comes down to motives. If you're doing it just so you can bang the hot secretary, yeah, that's probably selfish. Because <laughs> right. you're not going to have a relationship with them. You, you already have a relationship with somebody. So what's wrong with that relationship with that person that you want to go do that? Yeah. Yeah, right. that's fair. I, I just wanted to throw that out uh, because it is something of, of interest that could be yeah. applied to any film 
that talks about relationships, including this one here. Well, and that's one of the things I don't think this one falls into the trope of, yes, there's, they're having a bad relationship, but it's not a tropey bad relationship necessarily. And he is, he's, I don't know, he can be kind of a douche in this movie, but he also is trying to work on things. And I'm not sure if him working on things is selfish. Cause I think part of it is, cause it's like a control aspect. I think in some ways for him in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if there is a weakness in this film, it's, uh, the, I guess the development of the relationship between Jane and her husband, David, because he's only in a few scenes and every scene that he's in, he's, you know, typical, get me a beer. And he's a dick. Hey. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's just the, the stereotypical stuff that you see, like, oh, I'm watching the game with my, my friends, you know, that type of stuff that that isn't anything original. But again, you know, stereotypes uh, have some half truths to them. So that's that's why they use them. Um, but I mean, is he this way all the time or is this just there in the, the evolution of the marriage? Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. I, He's gotten into this comfortable point that she's allowed him to get into. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And um, that's where it's, an, you know, everybody, you, you can never look at a marriage from the outside and say, you know, who's in the wrong unless somebody's beating the other person um, or verbally abusing them somehow, because you don't know what's going on in that marriage. And we're just seeing a small piece of it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I know that uh, all of us have seen the film Jacob's Wife uh, recently, and that's another one that's one of those weird relationships. Uh, this one was was heterosexual, but uh, with a supernatural element, but it showed kind of the same staleness, I guess, in a relationship, and each of the the two, or at least the perspective of the woman, the man is has has um, taken them for granted, maybe. And maybe that's that's uh, what they're they're trying to show here. Um, and the only way to do it in quick bursts is to be, I guess, cliche about it. Because you could argue that David is kind of cliche as a character. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's, he's yeah. cliche. But again, it's cliches kind of lead into what you just said about stereotypes, Bill, is that stereotypes are at least half true. So are cliches cliches are usually like half truths or whatever and the reality is is that you know you're married 10 years 20 years 30 years whatever there is some level of staleness and comfortability and you know all of that in the relationship i mean it's there's no perfect relationship there's ups and downs of every relationship there's periods of you know wild sex and there's periods of you know as you would say staleness or whatever in the, <laughs> in, the, in, the in the sex department uh, when you when you're in relationships for long long periods of time, so I think that's all true valid points um, that that you would see in this this character development. Um, the they've also go ahead, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the interesting thing about him is he wants to work on the marriage. Where that's where I think it deviates a little bit. He wants to work on. He wants to work it out at the end, but it's too late. Yeah, that could have been a last gasp too. You know, I mean, we yeah. yeah. You know, he was sensing she was pulling away. So he's like, I better throw a life raft here. Or, or you know, she's definitely sailing away, so to speak. All right. Um, well, and it also makes me question what her her goals really are, because it looks like he's agreed to pretty much everything. And like you said, Barrett, 
or, or you said, Johnny, um, it may be too late, but also her goal of having uh, children. And again, she's supposed to be 42 in the film. So her quote unquote clock is ticking and that, that's not me saying so. Uh, it's, it's what's basically implied and, and actually said so in, in the film. Um, she has that opportunity now because he agrees to not only have a family, but go all out with uh, intravenous and, and, you know, any way possible, uh, even if they, they can't do it uh, naturally, whether it's because of age or, or one of the two may have, have some fertility problems. Um, and at this point, it's either her mindset is, has already gone over the, the peak, so to speak, and now is on the other side of the peak where all those goals and dreams in the past are the past. And um, the thing is, is unlike, say, certain things that you can go back to, you know, you know, I mean, we always, me and Johnny are a big baseball and football fan. So we know about people who, you know, they're, they get drafted at 18 to play baseball and, um, or, or you're, you know, you're three years in college and then you're, you can opt for the draft in football. And some of these players say, no, nah, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to go to college for four years and then get drafted in baseball or, the, the quarterback will say, oh, I'm going to stay in school for my senior year because I need to win that that bowl. And then during their uh, high school, I mean, their college career in baseball and their senior year in, in, in football, they break their arm and, and their career is ruined and they're never going to get that contract that they could have got had they just been before. And I've always, you know, everybody says, you know, oh, well, you know, education is important. I want to get your degree, whatever. But if you can get the million-dollar contract at the age of 18, and if, if your dream fails, you can always go back at uh, to college when you're 26, you know, or you could go to uh, college at nights, you know, or, uh, you know, I mean, on, uh, uh, in baseball, you know, you're not playing baseball in the winter and, and early spring, and that's when college is. So you can do that. And then with the, the football player, you know, if he, he goes to the draft as a junior, gets drafted, makes $10 million, his career is ruined because he gets hurt in the NFL, he still has the $10 million, and then he can go back and get a senior year degree anyway. So some things you can go back, but some some you can't. And in this case, if she turns down the family, uh, the children, at least biologically, I mean, I mean, nowadays you, you can have children anyway, but I'm talking about the nuclear family, which it seems like she wants. If she doesn't take her husband up on it, she's never going to have the kids in the nuclear family like she wants. Am I right to say that? Uh, she could adopt with the other woman and stuff too. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, well, if that's what I'm, I'm saying the nuclear, the, the quote the, unquote no. normal nuclear family. I'm well. not sure if she wants the nuclear family or just a child. So, okay. And I, and this guy definitely shows his true colors at the very end. He's more worried about how to look that she left him for a woman <laughs> than he is about anything else. And he shows a lot of anger towards her, too. Well, that, I mean, obviously, that's a stereotype of, of what we see um, for this film. But to be devil's advocate and defend the guy, you could argue that, um, you know, when, when all this is laid upon him at that very moment, 
I could see anybody getting pissed and angry. Well, and saying whatever, right? <laughs> What's that? In saying whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he's a, a, uh, gets abusive and violent. I mean, he's just pissed, you know. And anybody who's in that moment that, you know, your your mood swings from, all right, let's do it. Let's have the kid. And then the next moment, oh, I'm leaving you for someone else. And by the way, it's, it's a woman. You could argue that anybody could be pissed at that point. Well, everyone would be, I think. Yeah. You know, I... I don't know how you guys feel about this, but if, if my woman were to leave me, I would I would feel much better if she left me for a woman than another man. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I'm with you. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I never thought about it. Uh, All right, well, think about it now, Phil. I mean, you can't give us an opinion on this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think they both suck. No, they do. I agree. They do. Both agree. They both suck. Now, if you had to pick which one, Phil, which one would you go with? Well, I, 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 I think, um, I would, I think I may be more pissed if she went with a woman because she, the the marriage was a farce from the begin with, I would think, unless, unless, yeah, because I mean, in this case here, yeah, the gymnast, uh, you know, she never thought of being with another woman ever. Well, actually, that's not true. Denise's character, her friend, didn't she say that they made out in college? Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, so they were. Uh, that didn't count. <laughs> well, right, right, right. I mean, not to sound yeah, sorry, that didn't count. Rude. Was... Not not to sound rude, but you know, there's there's that that phrase derogatory, not really derogatory. I don't know what it, what it's called, but but it's it's slang term called lugs, lesbian until graduation. So that I mean that who knows what was going on back then and, and whatnot. But, um, I had to ask yeah. my wife, I was like, so are women always kissing each other? Like sexually like that? Cause I see it in everything I watch now. Right. <laughs> and they well, all talk well, about well, it like it's in the past too. Come on. Yeah. Well, you got to remember a lot of those, those shows, <laughs> even if they're to promote, uh, uh, a certain agenda, there's still a lot of them are written by, uh, heterosexual males. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, what's interesting is, um, like, like most movies that you know I've been on, you know, this podcast and done. I, I went into it completely blind. Um, I, again, me and Philip discussed it a million times at nauseum. That it's, I just find it the better way to go into all movies now. I just enjoy it more. But so I read up on Dryo Dryo Weber's character um, in, you know, not character her her bio that she's an omnisexual in real life. That's, that's what she, uh, uh, yeah, identifies as the same thing as pansexual or bisexual. Yeah. 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 So maybe Even this she's be... married w- w- to, you know, for, been married for this with the same guy for years. Right. Exactly. So maybe this movie kind of is, you know, is, is done through that lens where she just is attracted to whoever is nice and whoever like, Whoever she's attracted to in the moment or whatever, it could be a man, woman, whatever, you know, um, you know, right. and I think maybe it's shot through that lens. What do you guys think? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it could be. I mean, she did another movie called uh, I forget what it's called. It comes out, it came out a few years later where she plays uh, a military woman who's also a lesbian and and. And, oh, Marine One or something or one. Yeah, Marine? yeah, yeah. The Marine, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen it yet, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of easy to say that 
that your omnisexual or whatever nowadays. I mean, even Sophie Turner has has kind of come out <laughs> and said that, and and it's like, you know, um, Devi Lovato, all these people have done it, and and so who knows what's true anymore? A lot of it is publicity. Um, also, you know, she. What what does it even mean if you're you know if you're married with to someone for so many years? I guess you can still be attracted to people <laughs> of the same sex, but it's it's I don't know it, it, you know I mean I I don't really know what any of that means anymore to me. I don't either. Yeah, but I see your point though, John. You know maybe maybe she she's using her art, meaning the movies, to uh, um, play with the omnisexual aspect of how she at least claims she identifies as and um those stories kind of interest her even though she's happily married and her husband directed the marine as well so uh it's a good question john i don't know yeah yeah i also um um she she missed her chance at the olympics uh twice they said the 80s uh boycott of the the Moscow games, we should cause her to miss her chance. And then yeah, the you mean the character Jane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, and, and I, she pulled out her, her ankle or something. Achilles. Or 80, yeah. Achilles in 84 or something. Right. Yeah. And then, and then it was like the next, the next life's goal was, you know, to, to have, to have a child in it. You know, obviously that just, for whatever reason doesn't really get explained. I, I don't think well, I mean, maybe infertility. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if that's the next goal because you know a lot of famous athletes uh, that are women, uh, Serena Williams, you know, you know, name it, um, they they go on and have kids anyway. So so even if they were in the Olympics or, or playing tennis or golf or whatever sport they're playing, they still may want families and, and children and all that. But you're you're right for the film itself, they don't explain why she hasn't had kids all you can assume is that they've tried a few times and it's just not working right because she even says that she gets off the pill and she's still not getting pregnant and then they're setting up days to have sex because you know he she goes in turns on the pawn and he knows ah this is the moment that we're supposed to have sex because she's ready you know her for to her her monthly cycles is is in full swing right now so let's let's do it um so i don't i don't know i i can just guess that it must be something isn't working and then that's why at the end when the husband says all right let's go and do the fertility thing there he's he's thinking what i what we're thinking which is uh one of the two uh is having fertility issues yeah didn't she go off the pill without telling him yeah, yeah, he was really mad about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I would, anybody should be, would should be mad about yeah, that. So it's I mean, interesting if she yeah. would be taking birth control if she was having for if we if she was having fertility issues for a long time. It's kind of an interesting. Yeah. Thing. Well, I, I think I think what it was is he said he didn't want the kids right away, at that point in their life, so she agreed to get on the pill. I guess. Um. So yeah, so she was one to the kids and he didn't, and then she succumbed to him and said, "All right, fine, we won't have the kids." And then later she gets off the pill without telling him. So, yeah. Um, let's see. Any other aspects we want to talk about before we get into spoilers? Is there anything else? 
plot details or anything or specific scenes or, or just general stuff about um, th this type of marriage, these things that we see in the film that wouldn't be spoiler anything. All right, so I guess we can uh, probably throw up the spoiler. So we'll talk about everything and anything, uh, dissect and critique. Um, so we'll talk about more specifics and, and uh, get into it all. So, uh, all right, you have been warned. Uh, the film is available everywhere. Uh, movies are VOD available, uh, usually rented around $2.99. Uh, the film is available for, and I assume you can buy it. And it is also on uh, DVD. Um, spoiler alert is up. All right, so um, yeah, so just to give a quick synopsis, uh, as John mentioned, uh, she was a former Olympian, uh, blew out her ankle, uh, and became from number one in the world for gymnastics to force to basically retire, I guess. And rather than staying becoming a trainer or something of that nature, she becomes a masseuse. Um, and so a lot of her clients happen to be fairly wealthy folks in the greater uh, Los Angeles area, probably, uh, the, I guess they call it the Valley. Um, and uh, her husband's some sort of exec and she lands up at a fancy house and finds out this new client is actually her co-gymnast from when she was younger. Um, and um, she is like, gets a uh, little bird in her ear from this woman to say, Hey, you should do something gymnastic related. Even if it's not um, Olympics, you can, you know, be professional. Why not try um, something? And she doesn't really agree, but she decides to go to, a gym and someone uh, approaches her and suggests uh, this class. The, uh, how do you say it, Brad? Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, yeah. It's like aerialist. It's a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, aerialist, exactly. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much the setup. Um, and so the first half hour is really just a uh, seeing her doing her masseuse work, meeting her old friend, uh, learning a little bit about her uh, husband and the relationship there. And then uh, about this quote unquote cute guy that happens to jog in the neighborhood with her who uh, knows she's married, but uh, keeps on flirting with her. And she kind of gets the idea that he may have interest. Um, and that's pretty much the first half hour of the film, right? Uh, until she meets the aerialist. Yeah. And at one point, the friend does come out and he point blank says that he's he's interested. Yeah, the jogger, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, that's a curiosity, too, because there's so there's a chance that she could jump into that relationship. Never mind this um, um, homosexual relationship that she's offered. Um, now, as we know, you know, going on a couple of dates doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get your dreams, meaning uh, love, great sex, children, and who knows, you know, what else that you want. So maybe she's looking at the, her friend Jogger as just, you know, he's just likes me, but who knows, that may lead to nothing. But you can also say that uh, if she does hook up with this aerialist, this third aerialist, um, 
there's no guarantee that will work out either. I mean, first of all, they have an age difference. Second of all, they come from different backgrounds in life. Um, one is a Korean American who was adopted by Jewish folk. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so completely different. I love that story. I like how they, that comes out and they talk about it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and, and again, it, I don't know, it doesn't really explain how long they've been training for. Maybe it's been a while. That's a, that's a one thing I, I wish I, I knew because a lot of films, when they have relationship films and, and a lot of critics rip them big time is, is, you know, they, they fall in love for like after a month and then they throw everything away to go run off with that person. But again, they only know each other for a month. What does that mean? How long do you think uh, Jane and her new friend, um, Serena, were training before the relationship actually happened? Because I, I didn't get the time. They don't frame. really give a good thing, but I keep thinking like six months to a year. Like they've been doing a lot of training because they get a lot better. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, so, so this relationship, if there is a relationship here, it would be where they've known each other for a good six to 12 months, if not longer. Right. That's my feeling for watching it. What do you think, Johnny? Well, that's the problem with filming movies in LA. The leaves don't fall off the trees or any of that. So you can't really guess. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. 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 And they didn't have any uh, film cards to say six months later, you know, uh, uh, 30 days later. Or but my like suspicion is it wasn't quite that long. I mean, it was long enough, but you have to take into account the, the, the type of athlete Jane was that she's going to probably uh, accelerate her, her learning curve on that very quickly. And the other one had, you know, you know, a, a very elite background in the type of dance that she did on her own. So maybe that the aerial training came easy for both of them, which is why uh, Nicole's character, the redhead, like found them and matched them up, you know, but I don't think it was six to 12 months. I would say more like maybe a few months, but that was just kind of my take. I don't know. This this my take. Yeah, but definitely more than a month. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the longer, the more realistic the film is not just for uh, the ability to, uh, become really good aerialists, but also the the chance that a relationship that you would throw away your entire life prior for what would 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 be feasible. Um, yeah, and they move really slow at first. So I mean, because they're both tentative, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the one difference is is that Serena is. Uh, a lesbian from probably a, a young child um, while uh, as we know Jane um, technically never really thought about it even though you, know, you did make a good point John that she made out with her friend back in the day once at least um, alright so let's see let's, let's talk about the some of the stuff now. So, so one thing that, that was kind of curious was, uh, um, they, they get rid of Nicole pretty quick, uh, and turn it from a triplet to a duo. Yeah. That was uh, abrupt. Yeah. And it was kind of weird too, because, because, um, 
Nicole was the one that was probably the best of the, the three. I mean, she, you know, she has been doing it for a while. She's uh, the leader. And then one of her kid, something happens to her child. And so whether it's like DUIs or something, I don't know, something weird. And we never really figure out what it is. And so she decides to drop out and she drops out oddly too. She, it's, she just disappears and has her, uh, the guy they rent the building from tell the other two that she's dropped out rather than um, her getting a phone call, meaning Jane. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was very odd. It was almost like they were in the middle of filming. There was a contract dispute. She's like, I'm out of here. She never came back. And then they they just brought this other guy in and go, you know. Or something went to the cutting room floor that we didn't get to see. Yeah, right, you know. It felt way too abrupt. Like, I looked at my wife, I was like, I guess she's never coming back. (laughs) It just seemed weird. It was never addressed. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I felt it was uh, odd, and, I, and actually, I was kind of disappointed because I actually liked her character the best out of the three. Um, she was the most interesting, most peppy. Um, you know, like I said, she, she, she had like a, a leadership vibe to her. She wasn't melancholy like the other two, because obviously the other two, uh, one is is walking around like a zombie, meaning Jane, and Serena is living a. Uh, a life where she's hiding her lesbian um, traits from her, her, her parents. And, and so, you know, they're, they're melancholy people. And then this peppy woman is the one that disappears from the film. Now uh, she was, she was Nicole, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm looking at her IMDB and she's like a stunt woman. Oh, is that true? Oh. Yeah, almost everything that I'm seeing, she's like got 81 credits for stunts, and well, I thought she did a great acting job. Yeah, that would that would explain her abdominals. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all three of the, those women that that were, they, you know, all three of them are, are professional. Uh, one's a stunt woman, one was a Olympian, and one was uh, a dancer for. Uh, you know madonna so so yeah so they're they're, they got uh pretty well defined bodies um but yeah i i I wish they had just kept nicole in the picture and and then their relationship came about still without with nicole in the picture you know yeah yeah i agree but yeah might have been a better route um i certainly didn't like the character development of uh denise's character i felt she was a little like conniving, you know, or something. Did you guys feel as though she was like, you know, like to get revenge on um, uh, Jane's husband that she was like pushing her to cheat and stuff? Like, you know, because yeah, and I didn't like. At the end, I was like, okay, her husband was definitely not a friend, and her best friend was not a good friend either. Like, she tells how old she is, which totally screws her. I mean, she just is not her best friend, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, for folks who are curious, Denise is is the wealthy woman that um, uh, Jane um, had done Olympic stuff with in the past, and was the woman that you know she made out with that one time. Um, and yeah, but you're right. And she was an ex ex girlfriend of Jane's husband. Right, right, right. Yeah, see that that that's the thing. If if that wasn't there, where Denise was an ex-girlfriend of David, Jane's husband, then I wouldn't consider 
Denise that conniving, and I would have considered her more of just still was a good good friend. Like with the whole photo or the picture of her naked on the bed with the girl, she didn't deal with that in a way I would expect a friend to deal with that. Well, it's like what what can you do? You know, all right. Denise's daughter. There's a scene where uh, Serena and Jane uh, try on the new outfits that they're going to use for. being aerialists uh and i discovered that the outfits just aren't going to work for some reason i I didn't really get why but they weren't they decided they aren't going to work and they're using denise's house to try them on because denise gave the key to uh jane and and denise had to fly to new york city so the other side of the country for the weekend or something and while they're there since it's a pretty fancy house uh you know wealthy hollywood type house you know, they get the affinity pools and the jacuzzis and, you know, the tennis court, you know, all that crap. And what happens is they get boozed up because they're having a blast using her house. And then, of course, they have their first sexual relationship and they pass out on Jane's, I mean, uh, Denise's daughter's bed naked. And Denise his daughter comes home that next morning and finds them there, takes a photo and then posts it somewhere. I don't know if she posted it. Yeah. She posted it somewhere. And you should expect it to be on the internet. You don't really know for sure. Right. Right. And the thing is, is, um, what, what can you really do? You know, because it seems like the daughter into this and then she acted like she was surprised. I can't believe you went that far. (laughs) You should try another relationship. Maybe with a girl. Oh, I can't believe you went with a girl. Got in bed with her. Holy crap. I mean, that's just, I don't know. There's something wrong with the way she treated her. I agree with you, Garrett. I thought, I thought Denise was sinister. You know, and don't forget how she met her. She said, I saw your name in, in, a, in an advertisement for massage, and I just had to see if it was you. So she summons her to her home. Almost like, like, oh, I'll bring her back into my life and, and you know, see what whatever can of worms we can open up from the past. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's that sinister. I, because, I mean, you know, when... when <laughs> I think you just like her. Well, no, well, no, no. I mean, so, I don't know. I, I mean, if you, you had a, a good friend that you hadn't seen for years and then you find out that they have a business maybe and you're filthy rich... And the business happens to a massage. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, why not have a massage? Call her up, get her to come over, and then you find out it is the person you thought it was. That's actually kind of a cool story. I don't think that's nefarious at all. Now, whether or not she has other motives, and you guys want to attack those motives after that, that's fine. But I don't really think she was calling her up, getting her over and say, okay, now I can do terrible things. No, I would agree with you there, but I don't think she's a good friend. And I don't have any friends that I haven't talked to in 20 years that I would call good friends at this point. I would be, you know, Hey, we could be friendly again, but it would take a lot to become good friends again. Right. Well, you know what? I guess it depends. I mean, if you're a young Olympian and you're with that person every day, you know, it's like, you know, if you're on a a football team in college and you're running back and quarterback and you guys are really good friends, worked out together every day. And then, you know, 
one joins the military, another one uh, doesn't make the pros and, and, you know, goes off to the other side of the country to do a job. And then, you know, and, and again, this is back in the 80s when you don't have email. So you're going to lose touch pretty quick and easy. Today, it's a little different. You're right. Today, it's a little different because you can just email the person tomorrow and, and you know, and call them because now there's no such thing as long distance phone calls. You know, if you called the two towns away from where you lived back in the eighties, you had to pay $10 for the phone call, you know? So it's a little different. Well, and when today. this came out was different as well. Cause 2006 was different technological level than it is now even. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Because yeah, Very if you think different. about it, even though this film doesn't feel dated at all, films like it was made yesterday, it, we have to remember it is a 15 year old film. That is kind well, of crazy. I mean, cell phones were just getting huge at that time, right? I mean, like yeah. mid nineties is when they really started getting out to us as regular people. And then you get to 2005, then they're starting to get pretty big, but the phones are not small yet. Really, you know, too small. They're, yeah, right. They're not great devices yet. Motorola Razor came out and everybody wanted one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, people still had beepers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah Where's the, uh, the phone bank? I'm not getting a SIG on my beep. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to be at a job once where I was on call for making sure the computer's then fall collapse and it was, it was a beeper there. So I would get a call from the beeper and then I would call uh, the computer room, you know, versus nowadays where you just get a text and say the computers aren't working. And you it's can connect to them from home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I remember um, it in the early, early two thousands when everybody kind of started texting or whatever, I remember telling people, in fact, Phil, you are probably one of them. I'm like, this text messaging thing's never going to take off. I'm not doing it. It's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. I know. I hated it. Yeah. I hated you know? it. Oh, I use it all the time. People are wasting their time with this ludicrous text message thing, you know? Just right, call right. them. Just call them. Well, now, now, let's get back on, onto the oh, yeah, I apologize, Phil. I'll rain yeah. it. So uh, my, I want to bring yeah, up my ahead. point that was basically these two relationships, which are two of the bigger relationships she has in the movie, show why her life has become kind of dreary and just she's just living she's not really enjoying things she doesn't right. really have people on her side yeah yeah i, I mean again i i won't want to bash denise that much because obviously she doesn't like uh david her husband and and whatnot and stuff but I honestly do think she was trying to help her with the aerial uh, thing. I mean, some of the things she does and say are definitely questionable, but it's more Just a little clueless, right? Well, it's more Jane determining what's what to listen to and what not to do. You know, yeah. you, when Denise says these things, you know, oh, go cheat, do this, do that. You know, Jane can say. Obviously, she's an idiot. But, uh, but when she says, oh, you should wear these these outfits because that's pretty cool. So, yeah, I'll take your advice. That may be a good idea. So I, I think she's just getting a bunch of mixed things from Denise. Um, she may not uh, have – Denise may not have all of Jane's best interests, but I also don't think she has – she's intentionally just trying to destroy Jane's 
either, if that makes sense. Right, like, I don't think she tells that guy that how old she is to hurt her career and make it so she can't go to Vegas. She's just clueless that it will affect her. Right, right. Yeah, she's she's looking at it like, isn't that awesome? She's 42, and, 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 and she's unbelievable. And look what she can do. And then the guy's going, oh, you know, the typical... Uh, we don't hire women that old. Yeah, yeah. We, we only want the, the 18-year-old beauty that we can have for the next 10 years and then find the next one, you know. So sometimes... And, and I don't, you know, I, I mean, some of it could be legit because, you know, you, do you want to invest... Uh, in, a, in a show that is very um, uh, looks are important, uh, never mind the ability to do so. Um, do you want to invest in a 42-year-old who may or may not be doing it, whether age or looks? Well, an insurance could be higher because she's older. Yeah, exactly. So it could be legit. So I don't want to call him a misogynist, you know, if you want to be the devil's advocate. But also you could say that you know, it, it, it is a tough break to, It's because, you know, she's as good as anybody that's 18. But, you know, why, is, why can't she have the job even if she is 42? Because she's still as good looking as any 18 year old. And she's it's, it's talented, if not more talented than any 18 year old. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, you can take it either way. You can take it as now it's a legitimate point. Like you said, Barrett, it could be insurance. It could be what I said, which is, do you want to invest? It's like, do you want to invest in a 37 year old quarterback or do you want the, the 22 year old? You know, so mm-hmm. it, it, ageism isn't just because of this is a, a, a woman that he's looking at. It could be legitimate. It's like, I mean, obviously Tom Brady is an exception, but I mean, Peyton Manning, when he was 39, no one, who the hell would want him? He was terrible. You know, so I'd rather get go off and, and get the next, you know, first round draft pick to quarterback my team. Invest, all, you know, 30 million in him, then, then Peyton Manning, 30 million, who's going to be terrible between the ages of 39 to 42. So it's, it's not as obscene as, some people may have taken it when they watched it, you know, as, as a viewer for the movie. Well, I totally agree with you. And and I don't think, I mean, he, he sounded like he was not a nice guy the way he said it, but there are legitimate reasons for that. Now, no, he was pissed because he, he came all the way from Vegas, supposedly. Right. right? So and it's like, she should have been smart enough to know that is where I'm going with that. Yeah. She, yeah. She yeah. is totally clueless, but she should have understood that is the nature of a job like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. But the way she said it, though, makes me think she was really clueless because she was like yes. thinking that, oh, 42, that may that that's a, a selling point. Because look at this. It's unbelievable. She's unbelievable. 42. So much experience. Yeah, so exactly. Experience. What was your thoughts on all that, John? Yeah, no, the more I think about it, the more I think she probably wasn't that sinister because now that I'm thinking, like, so if she's going to go through all of that just at the end and try to push her to get this, like, gig in Vegas and all this stuff, it's like, that wouldn't make sense either. So, yeah, like, like what Barrett's saying, she's probably just clueless and kind of had an utterance more than, more than anything else, you know, and then, you know, is, you know, probably like, hey, let's just see what my old friend is up to, you know, you know, I, I kind of come around on it if I'm allowed to change my opinion. No, no, we all have no opinion changing here. No, 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 no. To be honest, no, that is fair to, to do it because, because yeah, yeah you, John, you just summed it up. It's like, why would she have gone out of her way to bring her friend in to help another friend to get a job and all this only to sabotage the whole thing? So I think, yeah, right. I think 
I think it's yeah. You're, After like, setting her up to like fail her 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 marriage and, and see her again and you know, you know right, right. And, and and she didn't she because she she still quote unquote loved. Uh, Jane as a friend, even after at, by that point in the film, it wasn't like <laughs> I've yeah, she had a picture of them when they were kids in the, in their house. If you have yeah, a picture, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and I think point. honestly, when she was saying, you know, go have a relationship with a woman, she was, you know, just not in my house. Should have been the subtext. <laughs> right, that's true too. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't get half drunk and then do it in in my daughter's bed, and then my daughter walks in and sees it and and does a typical teen, uh twenty something year old thing and takes a picture and puts it on the internet. So yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Um, all right. Now, as, as you notice, uh, listeners, uh, similar to a wall, and. Um, the my summer of love, which were the two films that Mean Barrett did last year, uh, a lot of the stuff we're talking about isn't even the LGBTQ thing because these films really are, are more than just the LGBTQ. They're they're more about um, something else. And generally, I mean, I, I don't want to get into specifics and to, to figure out what they are, but as you can see, we're, we're talking about so many different things that have nothing to do with uh, the reason we chose to film in the first place. Um, and I think that's what makes the film interesting because again, uh, and John brought it up just in his last comments, which is Jane is, is like sleepwalking in life um, because it's just some, she, uh, you could even argue maybe that she's even feeling bad for herself, right? Because if you had an opportunity to go to the Olympics and possibly win the gold, and then that is, the rug is pulled from you because of bad luck, because of um, invasion of Afghanistan in 1980 and um, blowing your ankle out or Achilles out in 1984. And then the chance that you have that golden nugget and you can be on the Wheaties box like Bruce Jenner is gone. So life can kind of piss you off after that. And, and you could kind of sleepwalk. And she's right at that age where you start realizing you've been sleepwalking. Yeah, right, right. Because, you know, they always do the joke, you know, the uh, the mid midlife crisis for a guy. But there's midlife crises for a woman, as you can see in this film. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. When you're talking about biology and, you know, the, the fertility clock. And this isn't me talking. This is just biology talking. Um, in your early 40s, I mean, you know, women, when they want to, especially want to start having uh, children, you know, it's very, you know, very difficult at that age. Not that you can't do it nowadays with all the science and all the things they can do in vitro and all these other things, but it's certainly just more difficult to do it, um, you know, the natural way, so to speak. So, and risky. Um, yeah. Very risky. Right. Well, and, and never mind the fact that, you know, when you're 42, which she is in this film, you know, you could, you know, depending on your life expectancy, you could say that you're closer to death than you were closer to your birth. Because you, yes. you, honestly, 42, may, you may not feel like it, but when you really look at it, that's, that's, that is middle age. And, you know, you, you add 18 years to 42, you're 60 years old. So, so if you add 18 years uh, from the age of 18, you're only 36 years old. So it just shows you how close you are to your 70s. And, Let's and not you know, talk about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? So, so she's kind of like any person who's, 
in her mid forties is looking at life, whether, whether or not she has kids or not, whether or not, you know, but, but you look back and you say, damn, why wasn't I, a, uh, uh, an engineer, or if I could do it all over, I would have, uh, ask that girl to dance or, you know, you know, you go on and on. Oh, and a on. couple of years ago, I started thinking about how many more books I have left to read. I yeah, read right. approximately 50 to 60 a year. Yeah. Right. Wow. Exactly. I only have this many books left to read. That sucks. So, so, you know, you, you got, um, a, a person who, you know, is looking back and, you know, at one time she was, you know, 28, with the oyster in her hand or whatever the, the term is. And now she's 42 and she's looking on the other side uh, of the hill and seeing that, okay, you know, I'm going to start having wrinkles and gray hair and not be attractive to people anymore. And, you know, on and on, uh, you know, aches and pains and stuff. So I, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right on uh, Barrett and John that, that she's at that point where she's like, woke up one day and went, went oops, uh-oh, what happened? And, and you know, even, even people that have done a lot will always, there's always regrets, always. And when you look at it, life technically is kind of short because, you know, half the time you're sleeping, so those hours are gone. Uh, the first 18 years of your life, you're either a toddler or have no money. And, and so really, it's only a certain amount of, of time that you're, that you can be really effective and make a, uh, I don't know the no money thing for me was still 30. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah. 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 So you know what I'm talking about. So, so it's, it's like, uh, she's in one of those things where, you know, this, this earliest thing is now giving her a, um, some sort of meaning in life, I guess. Right. You know, so, uh, so I'm, I'm even thinking that, the becoming an heiress to her is even more important than her leaving David or finding Serena. Those are just side effects to the aerialism. In, in, in other words, in other words, I think this movie is more about her becoming uh, an aerialist than her relationship with Serena or her issues with David. Am I right to think that? Yeah, it's about her waking up and finding purpose. Yeah, because I'm thinking even if she Serena told her to f off at the end, I still think she would have said, you know what, f that. I'm still going to be a earless. I can do this. I, I, I just did a, a great show. People thought it was awesome. Serena says, f you, takes off. I can still do this. Why not? And and yeah, Nicole I at that point. Uh, seems like she's back because you know she sends a congratulations letter and all that and and uh a picture of her and her boy and her boy's okay now so it's like hey she could just call up nicole and say hey i mean you nicole let's do it were you saying something john no i think that's that's exactly right and you know at the end of the movie without getting to the absolute end of the movie when she um she she takes that piece of uh glass that was in her hand she spits it out the window yeah. That was exactly what you're saying, Phil, in my opinion, that, that she was basically saying that she's got this. It was like that. It was like she was showing that she was confident for the first time in a while that she could stand on her own two feet and she didn't need, um, you know, her husband, you know, whether it was a failed relationship with, uh, you know, um, Serena's character or uh, um, whatever it is. I think that's what that was about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it'll be curious. I mean, 
you know, again, she is 42 and the, the aerialist work that she wants to do specifically in Vegas, not, 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 you know, maybe it's a little different in, in LA and, and since there's not as many, uh, that type of act in LA, she could be more successful maybe in LA. Um, but you know, it'll be curious to see, you know, the movie ends at a certain point where she's driving to Vegas and it would be interesting to see what happens when she gets into Vegas, because again, she, you assume she's going to meet back up with Serena and Serena will bring her on, but that's not guaranteed. And even if Serena wants her to come on, the company may say, well, we don't want her in the act. So it kind of ends in a somewhat um, hopeful way, but it would be curious to see if that hope turns into uh, something else when she gets there, you know? Because I can't believe that she would be happy to be with Serena, but uh, the company that hires Serena doesn't want a 42-year in the act. So what's she going to do? Like, well, what about me? And Serena goes, well, I'm still going to do it, but yeah, go on, Bert. I think she would find another area to be an aerialist. I'm sure there's somewhere in Vegas she could do it. And I don't think, I think at this point she's awake and she wouldn't begrudge Serena the chance to do that. Um, but I think she also equally wants to be with Serena at that point. But, but if she goes to Vegas and Serena and her get together, but she can't get a job as an aerialist, at least the the type of job she wants, I don't think Serena was that important to her that she would just stick around. Am I wrong to think that way? Who knows? But we know that one thing, she can get a job as a massage therapist in Vegas. That's yeah. true. Yeah, 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 um, you're right. I, I mean, we yeah, we don't have enough information to know for sure, but she is going to Vegas because Serena's there. I mean, part of it is, that is part of the reason. Yeah, definitely. Because the note inspired her to go out there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Serena did send her the note uh, as well. Yeah, so she got a, the note from Nicole and Serena. Obviously, the, the film kind of, the last 15 minutes or so ends kind of, uh, well, it doesn't end abruptly, but it, it moves kind of abruptly and not as smoothly because we have her just doing her show with Serena. Everybody thinks it's awesome. The guy finds out she's 42, so he says he just wants you, Serena. Serena goes off to Vegas, and we don't really hear too much of um Jane's response of not getting the job. No, it just kind of looks like she's gone back to her regular dreary life that she's not happy with. Right, right. Yeah, and I wish they, they had played it up more. I would have loved to see her and Serena talk before Serena takes off to Vegas to see how that is because Again, it seems like Serena just says, yeah, I'll take the job and just leaves to Vegas and doesn't even talk to her again. She seems real cold, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was just kind of odd. I was um, like, she wouldn't even get that job offer if it weren't for her. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. right, right. And, and to be honest, uh, Serena was good. But honestly, based off of the what I saw in this movie, um, Jane's character was by far the better of the two. And was 
the leader. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, she had she had creative, she had she was better skilled. Um, yeah, she like you said, the leadership, she was just much better, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, you know, obviously Serena is a, a pretty face and talented and young. You know, she's only like twenty eight, I think. And so she's going to be uh, in one, uh, you know, she's going to be desirable for these type of companies. But again, if if you're watching that show live as, as we did and, and Denise and her friend from Vegas are talking about how unbelievable Jane is without even really mentioning Serena that much. It, it makes me be curious. It's like, um, but he still wants to grab Serena, which was kind of interesting, even though by far Jane was the highlight, I think. But yeah, I, I think it shows a, a non lack of imagination for that guy. I mean, at, a, at the very least, he could have taken her on as the trainer. Yeah. I mean, there's something yeah. he, she could do for him that would make his troop better, whatever. You know, I mean, it's just not very uh far-sighted of him right i think that was just probably one of the messages of, of the the move of the movie was about the the ageism issue of it they just wanted to make yeah. age, ageism an issue where it really wasn't an issue in the movie but they wanted to maybe make, open the door that 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 was part of it you know what i mean right yeah. Right, right, right. And again, you know, I use the quarterback analogy that shows that ageism isn't necessarily ageism when it's, especially when it comes to uh, uh, athletics. So, yeah. So I, I, I don't really consider it um, a good use in the film. Uh, even though I think Johnny's absolutely right, that's what they were trying to show. Uh, because if you really think about it as, as we're thinking about it, it makes sense that they wouldn't want to invest a lot of money into a 42 year old um, who could be done in three years from now, you know, um, especially doing the type of work that she does. But I agree with you, Barrett, which is um, if she's that talented and it may be wise to 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 bring her along anyway uh like you said she could be a trainer she 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 shows that she's really skilled and all that so yeah all right now let's talk about uh some other aspects of the film uh, well i had something to bring up yeah so please do yeah there's a, a dichotomy of flaws of flawed people in this so like they all do some good things they all do some bad things um you know, when she takes the job, I kind of see that as Serena's kind of little bit of downfall. Like she doesn't, from the movie, she doesn't say anything to her. She doesn't, you know, do anything. And then you've got the husband who's generally a douche, but, you know, like he seems genuinely interested in her, what she's doing now. Like when she's got the thing hanging out on the tree, he comes to look and he wants her to do it so he can see what's going on. And I mean, I do think his true colors are what we see at the very end. But like you said, anybody would be pissed off. Um, and she's not much better. She gets the gets Serena to come out to her parents. And she's supposed to, meanwhile, tell her husband that she's going to leave him. And she doesn't do it. So they right. all have a little bit of a, you know, they're all human. They're all very human. That's a, I, also, I also noticed that um, 
Jane brought a, a wine, a glass into the pool, which I thought was terrible. I mean, who brings glass into a pool? You know, that was actually actually an interesting scene, though. That that was kind of cool how the the glass floated. I, I gotta. I yeah, gotta, it was neat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, and and then they just left the glass too. That was not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. someone's gonna get cut. That's a fair point, John. Uh, but but yeah, I, I have to say, um, uh, there, there had to be some sort of metaphor too for that glass. You know, the glass floating in the water. Yeah, it felt like it, didn't it? Yeah, it sure focused did. on that yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. No, I actually thought, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Phil, because I felt like Jane's character was like floating through life, right? All she was doing yeah. is essentially abusing her body to keep hyper fit for whatever reason she wasn't an elite athlete anymore but yet she felt this need to basically starve herself have this ridiculous diet and work out like a mad woman you know which is the only way to maintain a physique like that and for what reason she's kind of floating through life like looking for something you know and right yeah yeah that's true and and then you know when she meets serena and, and finds this uh aerialist stuff yeah, you know, the glass is uh, floating, but now it's filled, right? You know, she, she fills it yeah. with the wine. You know, so she's becoming more filled. If you, if you want to say the glass is a metaphor for her and her life. Uh, well, and that's, so that's where a, Serena's worried about her just being a tourist. Right. Yeah, that's true. And well, what do you mean? Explain that once more. She's just experimenting with this. She doesn't really know what she wants. She's right. not really gay. She's just pretend right. gay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then, and then um, also about that glass too. When she leaves the glass and they go into the bedroom, um, and it's just floating there, and they show the shot of it just floating there later, it's almost you could use that as a metaphor and say that anything could tip it over at any moment. And all this happiness that she has right now, from being an airless to meeting Serena to having quote unquote good sex, I guess, could go poof like that in a second just like that glass uh tipping over and, or just getting overfilled it would just sink straight to the bottom of the the pool you know um also uh serena though uh to be on her side for a second even though generally i i wasn't um she i yeah she she has a right to be pissed yeah. um, because you barrett you summed it up which is she was hiding that she was a lesbian from her parents who were uh, if not Orthodox Jewish, they were definitely uh, religious Jewish, meaning that, you know, um, they uh, don't necessarily, um, they, they may frown upon homosexuality. And they also may hope for a grandchildren and the normal life for their daughter, uh, quote unquote, normal life. So I don't want to get hate mail. Um, so when she is influenced by Jane to say, yeah, tell your parents, come out, you know, and I'll, I'll tell my husband I'm all done with him. And then we don't, we'll get together. And then Jane doesn't do that. And Serena finds this out on the night of the event that they're doing the, you know, the demo. You can see why Serena would be pissed. And then the husband goes to her and says, stay out of our lives. Right, that doesn't help. That doesn't work either. So yeah. at that point, she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna take the job. Screw her." <laughs> she doesn't that's care. That's true. That's well, and see, that's the thing that's weird about this film is that we don't really get much of a perspective of Jane. There's, there, I mean, not Jane, uh, Serena. So even though there is some scenes with Serena as the 
the perspective character, it's far and few between. This film is like 98% all Jane's character. So Jane's in almost like every scene. And um, the only scenes that she's not in are just, you know, stuff like where it moves the plot, like when Denise is talking to um, that Las Vegas guy and things of that nature. So, um, so when Serena has her moments alone, um, they're just not uh, strong enough uh, because I, I don't think think you know there's there's enough developed there to make me really uh, know what she's thinking, how she's thinking, and, and even care. And then also, the film focuses a lot on her ethnicity and her religion more so than um, anything other aspect about her life when she is alone. And I think that kind of um, didn't help her character either, I think. You know, I mean, they, they could have just ignored that she was Korean and ignore and ignore that she was Jewish and adopted too. But for some reason, they decided to focus on that. Maybe. Yeah, we even a get a scene with her parents, right? We get a scene with yeah. her parents in the car talking about it. And they're like, they're. They seem to think she did a great job, you know. It was an interesting scene. But also showed them flabbergasted when they shared that kiss at the at the, at the end. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they were like, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know what? You know what was kind of uh, interesting, and and it escaped me or whatever. And it didn't escape me, but I just thought it was bizarre. You know, the uh, she said they meet up, and he says, "Hey, you want to come to my house?" And of course, I thought that was going to be like the invitation. For you know, we're gonna we're gonna consummate this relationship, so to speak, right? She's like, right. "Here's my knife collection." Yeah, that was weird. You're and right. I was like, I, I didn't understand the whole thing when the knife fell out of the her pants during the aerial practice, and then right. like, and then like, here are my knives. And I will tell you this: if I had met a person that I was interested in, and they they asked me to come over, and like, they basically show me all their knives. I, I would be like, this is very bizarre. Yes. Yeah. Well, all right. All right. Uh, and that I, had to be a metaphor or something, but I couldn't think of what. Like, what does this well, mean? Well, I, I love I my knives. I, I definitely think it, it was weird. You know, to be devil's advocate, you know, there's a lot of people that have gun collections and sword collections and all that, and, and you know, whatever. Um, but a lot of times you don't show those collections until later in a relationship. You know, you don't. And you just, don't fawn over them like she did. I mean, she was in love with those knives. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> right, right. I mean, put it this way. Let's say you know you meet a girl at a bar. You go by the third date, you bring her home, and and you didn't haven't really talked about your your guns, and you have a gun collection, and then you go look at all my guns. She's gonna immediately go, oh, okay. So you, you know, it's but if you brought it on normally and say, look at all my guns, she may. By that point, say, oh yeah, you know, you like hunting, or, or you, you know, you, you con do contests with the discs and shoot them in the air, or whatever. But yeah, it, it, so it was kind of bizarre. I mean, obviously, you could argue that knives are a uh, metaphor for um, penis, in a sense. Um, I don't know if that was any intent. I, I didn't see it, but um, yeah, that was weird. I, I forgot all about the knives until you brought that up, John, because it's bizarre. It, 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 yeah, because it really doesn't doesn't play 
in the film at all otherwise, right? Uh, one mean, of their part at the very end when she gets pulled over, she's got the knife on her. I'm like, oh, she's going to get in yeah. trouble. She's been drinking and she's got a knife in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an interesting thing too. Is like, why does she decide to? Meaning Jane, that after she is given a knife from Serene, or why is she carrying it in her her pants like a weapon? You know, like for defense. And they don't. You know, it looks like it's definitely a Chekhov's gun, but it never, it never, never pays off. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah, like I said, it was it was just it was just odd. I thought that the whole I was like, where are they going with this? And then it was like, went absolutely nowhere with it. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, it really didn't go anywhere. And and you know what else I thought was bizarre? That remember how I don't know if it was Barrett or you, Phil, a minute ago said, um, you know, there's a the characters do a list a, a list of like kind of like bad or questionable things throughout the movie. And I and I of course said yeah like bringing glass into a pool etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. The fact that Jane wouldn't change or gave pushback to her husband about changing out of the dress where she looked like she had been in like a BMX accident or something with bruises <laughs> and abrasions and everything all over her body, and she and she would like push back that yeah maybe I shouldn't you know wear this dress that shows all that and of course he was like people are gonna think I beat the crap out of you. And that's exactly huh? what people would think. Too, of course, you know? absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to be honest, people, no matter who they are, like, like, put this way, I, you know, when I do yard work and I don't wear a uh, long sleeve and, and I, my whole arms and legs are all scraped to, uh, you know, to crazy, I don't go out the next day when I'm hanging out with um, another couple with short sleeves so everybody can see all these scrapes and cuts all over my arms. Right. You know, it's just common sense. So for her to say, yes, the dress is beautiful. You look beautiful in the dress. Even her, she would think probably like I would and her husband would, which is, you know what? I'm not going to wear this right now because I have all these bruises on my, my body and I'm just, it's just going to look weird. People are going to look at me. They're going to, everybody's going to stare at me. So and, and, I, and, I, I think he was not out of line for uh-huh. saying that. And I also think she was clueless to not think that that would be weird. Because and again, once he told her, she should have been like, oh, you're right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. it's silly, you know. I'll change. It's kind of like you have like a oil stain on your shirt. You're going out and your, your other <laughs> half's like, Hey, uh, you know what? Uh, oh, yeah, i got to change this. You know what I mean? Right, 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 yeah, because having scars like that are, is almost like the same as having uh, a clothing that, that has, like, ketchup stains or wine stains all over it, and, and you don't care, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree 100% that he in no way was acting irrational by suggesting to change the dress because of the the bruises if anything i think she was the one that was irrational and again some people are going to go email us and go oh, i don't think it was a problem what's the big deal you know it's just like you said john it's like you're not going out with a stained shirt 
to a social event, just as you're not going to go to a social event with bruises and scrapes and scars all over you. Yeah, you're doing spring cleanup fill or whatever, and you got like poison ivy on your forearm and you know scrape from the briar bushes on the other arm. You're not going to you know not going to wear not long sleeves. You go out to dinner with a couple, right? It's absurd. Right, exactly, exactly. It's it's like you know when you're in college and and, and you have a a hickey. You, you, you know, everybody, everybody covers it up because everybody's going to look at you and know what's going on or, or think, oh, my God, that's so cheesy. So, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a fair point. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot all about that scene. And, again, maybe the scene was trying to make us look at the husband as, quote, unquote, a bad guy or mean. But in reality, no, no, he, he was. He no, was I, I actually think I actually think the opposite in the sense that uh, that scene might have made the husband look like he was being rational and that she was kind of falling off the rails with her love sickness. The parts that made him look stereotypical, stereotypical or cliche were like, hey, can you grab me a beer right when she walked yeah. in the door and all this stuff? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that stuff. So, yeah. you know, maybe it was through the lens of, you know, the other way where, you know, kind of showing her that she's starting to kind of like lose grasp of reality a little bit. You know, with her love sickness, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Well, right, right. When when her husband has an event, and uh, she says, "Oh, I already have plans to see my friend do some dance routine," it's like at that point she's still, in theory, quote unquote, happily married. You know, whatever that means. And th- there's no way that she would say, "Oh." I, I, you know, it's like you, John, or you, Barrett, saying, hey, Phil, I'm doing a, a event this weekend. Could you come? Uh, yeah, I'm going to come, and even though my wife uh, has a huge event that I'm, I, I'm supposed to go to, and I'm going to cancel on my wife. No one does that. So for him to be pissed at that, too, is legit as well. Mm-hmm. Because, again, that's what you said, John. It's it's her with her, her puppy love. She's going to see her friend do some dance routine even though she has this important family event to go to that that uh, she decides isn't as important as going to see someone because of puppy love and, yep. and some, some who've seen this film or will email us will say it wasn't puppy love she really there was a connection fine but at that point she wasn't there was no decision of her saying I'm leaving my husband yet right you know, you know so yeah, and he was even willing to overlook the fact that she didn't go to his, like, event. Remember, he said, I'm getting an award. And she goes, what award? He goes, I don't know, some award. Right, you know? probably another stupid award, you know, whatever. Food, food added over the year, or whatever it was. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, so you, you could argue that, that her act, some of her, she, yeah, she, she kind of was at fault a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Well, I think uh, I to be fair to her as well, I think at this point he has put her in a position where she just doesn't care anymore. And right. that's I mean, that's both people. Like I said, both people in a marriage are responsible for what goes on in a marriage. Um Yeah, yeah he but, used up all of his equity, Barrett. Yeah, exactly. He was done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, you can only uh, ask for that beer and watch the game with your friends so many times before you get pushback. Yeah, that's true. Um, but again, like you said, John, those are the cliche scenes anyway. So yeah. they wanted, they were trying to make us a, a point. And so when she does leave him, we're not as upset. 
you know, or, or with her, we're, we're like, yeah, it makes sense. That's fine because he was a a bleep. Well, it seems kind of like it's what I think of our, as our parents having as relationships. You know, it's that old idea that the woman does all these certain things for men. And that's the cliche in this movie. And, right. and he's one of those men from that generation where women did everything for you your whole life. All right. But you know what, though? He, he kind of reminded me of the character in, as I mentioned in the movie earlier, uh, Jacob's Wife, mm-hmm. where that husband expected certain things. But I think... Yeah, like like for example, when she just starts working out in that film, and his breakfast isn't ready, he doesn't get upset about it. He just thinks about it and goes, is confused, is looking around like, <laughs> and like, eh, all right, whatever. And you know, and I think Jane's husband would have been like that too if she said, "Oh come on, you've been home this whole time. Just get the beer yourself. I got to go upstairs and change." I think he's the type that would have said, thought and be confused for a second, but go. All right. I don't think he would have been. What do you mean? You're the woman. You gotta do this for me. Who are you? You know. No, I agree. But, I think it's more yeah. of a cliche of the movie of the yeah. idea of a woman's role, sure, rather sure, than sure. how his character was approaching it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I know what you mean. Like, like you know, this is the, the stereotypical from like our parents' generations of when they were, uh, you know, sixty, nineteen sixties, nineteen fifties, where. They were, the wife would be in the kitchen, and here's your beer, Archie. You know, and all that crap. Uh, uh, now every guy I know is the one that cooks in the family, so I don't know. It's changed yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't want my wife in the in the kitchen at all. I want. I'm the same there. way. Get out. Yeah, but isn't that because men are better chefs? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> now we're gonna get a bad email. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Well, Phil can always edit that out. Phil can always edit that out. I'm, I obviously am jesting, yeah. Right, right, yeah. but but that is a, that is a stereotype too, right? Where where, where they say uh, the best chefs are, are men, you know. So it's kind of funny that you said that. So uh, it's just a wink to uh, the cliches. Uh, yeah, that's all it is. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, what other aspects, scenes, or things that we've missed that people wanted to bring up? Uh, I brought up a few. Uh, I know, Barrett, you brought one or two up. Barrett, John, you have two, but anything else? I think There's we need to others. talk about the very last scene. Yeah, all right. All right. You mean uh, in the car? The credit scene? <laughs> yeah, the credit scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. We haven't all talked right. about that at all. Yeah, well, well this is kind of funny. Um, John, um, I mentioned this story to him once a long time ago, back in the 90s. I got pulled over in uh, Nashua. Um, because I, I was, hadn't been inspected yet in my car, and it was going to be inspected the week after. And so he pulls me over, and it was raining. And I was like, I don't know how the hell he even saw it. And he says, L- license, registration. I go, yes, sir. And I give it to him. I go, what's the issue? He goes, well, you uh, inspection sticker. And I go, well, you know, it's fine, whatever. And then he goes, he goes, uh, have you been? And then he starts bringing up, you know, because it's like midnight. Have you been drinking? You know, all that crap. And I go, uh, n- no. And he goes, yeah, sure. I go, yeah. Do you want me to name all the presidents in order from, from Washington to Bush or whoever the president was at that time? And and I told Johnny that because, because you know, a drunk person isn't going to be able to do that. And John goes, you know what? If if that if I had pulled you over, because at one time John used to be a cop before he retired, um, I would have said, yeah, I want to hear that. That would be awesome. <laughs> you know? So this scene kind of reminded me of that where – if I was that cop, I'd be like, yeah, I want to see this. But 
she did it similar to the reason why I said, um, do you want me to name the presidents from Washington to Bush? Because I was like pissed. I was like, you know, I'll just do it to prove that I'm not drunk. And she was, she wanted to do something to really show off the cop as well. And instead the cop takes it as that was pretty cool. Well, I have a technical question for Johnny then, because, so I thought it was weird that she did the breathalyzer and then he had her walk in the line. Yeah. So it could be be statewide or or even County, but go on, John. Well, you assume she's pulled over in California and I obviously don't know what the, you know, the, you know, the policies and procedures are out there or anything, but I can tell you that what they were using wasn't a breathalyzer. They called it PBT or a portable breath test. And they're actually not even admissible in court. All you can say is that you administered one and that it showed the presence of alcohol or not. That's all you can really do. They do give you a reading like 081012 or whatever it is. But again, they're not like calibrated and they're not like considered uber uh, accurate. Um, Some states use them as one of the, you know, probable cause things to, you know, basically get into the field sobriety tests, which are the only, you know, admit, you know, admissible things when it comes to, you know, testifying for DUIs. Okay. Right. I was wondering if that would, it would normally be second. It just seemed kind of weird to me. I, I was actually curious why she, he, he even asked her to do it because she didn't seem drunk. No, but he said, you've been drinking and, and you see her mouth. She goes, I had a glass of wine. And then of course, oh. any cops could be like, all right, a couple glasses of wine. You're going to be at the legal limit. If you weigh 140 pounds, which she yep. probably does. Yep. You know? Yeah. That's okay. I see. So if she if she had said no, I haven't drank, then he probably wouldn't have had to come out of the car. He would have probably just believed her. Unless he, he smelled alcohol. Right. Yeah, unless he, he smelled, smelled alcohol. alcohol. Right. Right. That, that's what, he could have asked that question because he did smell the wine. Who knows? You know. And some yeah. cops have really good sniffers. Yep. Yeah. And some guy. And some cops are just on fishing expeditions. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, yeah, it, it appears that he, the cop wasn't just having her get out of the car because she was she's attractive in a, in a, in a dress. So I, I think it was he was actually honestly trying to do his job, even if I would have probably just let her go. Um, but as you said, John, that's a good point. The moment she says, yeah, I've had one glass of wine, that could mean anything. And so just to be on the safe side, let's let's do the tests. Um so, uh, yeah, so what, how do we want to talk about this scene? This is an interesting scene. It was a really cool scene. Uh, and it shows another reason why I think Jane was the real talent and not uh, Serena uh, for the, out of the two when it came to their uh, performance. She does, she, she does the line walk, except she does it as a gymnast. Her way. Yeah, she yeah, does it her, her way. way. Yeah. She looked. She looked like Mary Lou Retton on that on that freaking on that white line on the side of the road. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and she honestly was. She, I, I like you said, John. I did some research about the actress as well. And uh, when she was a young kid, she was on a Mexican uh, hurdling team um, because you know she she obviously must have grew up right on the the Mexican border and and uh, joined their team. Um, because, you know, uh, uh, where me and John live, we're not too far from Canada. Uh, I know a lot of folks that live right near the border. And uh, w- you know, one person, uh, when they went to the library, they just go to the library in the town in Canada rather than their own library because that library is better. And they and they and you can actually get uh, a library card 
in that town, even though you're in, a, in another country. So, you know, things like that, you, you know, you do that. And so if she lived on, near like San Diego when she grew up, um, it wouldn't surprise me that she would join a hurling team and say in Tijuana or something. Um, and then she became a, a gymnast and the Olympics, uh, uh, Utah, I think. So, um, so what we saw in this scene was actually what she did when she was in her twenties and, and teens. So, uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, and yeah, so she does a Mary, Mary Lou Redden, uh, on the white line. She's supposed to walk the white <laughs> line on the side of the road on the highway heading to Vegas. And instead of just walking straight back and forth, she does some awesome ballet, uh, not ballet, but gymnastic work. Uh, but see, she awesome. didn't follow the orders. And isn't that what the actual test is about? Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> so legitimately no joke in my career. I, I wouldn't be exaggerating. If I said dozens of times, I've had somebody who like walk either a literal or an imaginary lying on the side of the road and they pull some stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it, like they, they start doing all this outlandish stuff to try to, and usually they're hammered when they're doing that, like <laughs> trying to prove that they're not drunk. But um, certainly that I did not expect that with the ending of that movie for her to basically take off her shoes and to do this routine with flips. And, you know, it's just, you know, and, and remember there's no sound in that whole ending of the movie, right? It was just, right. Right, yeah, it was just like the music, the music playing over, right? Yeah, because it was great yeah. music playing. And, yeah. and I didn't expect that at all of the ending, and I'm sure you guys didn't either. And it was, you know, pretty. Right. I thought it was pretty awesome, actually. I was like, what a cool no, way to it, end the movie. It yeah. was awesome, and, and because it shows her fighting against the, what I guess the cop and society is represents to her, which is. Um, you know, beating her down, you know, just life in general, beating her down. And this is her way to show, Hey, I'm not drunk. I'm better than uh, the melancholy person. I was the first hour of the film and she does it. And the cop obviously knows he, she's not drunk because if John, if this, if you pulled someone over and they did something like this, you would know that they're probably not drunk. It wasn't them just. Oh yeah. Especially to that level of technicality that she did. It was like unbelievable. Like didn't no, no variance off the line or anything like sticking her landings and all that stuff. It was right. 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 Raising her leg up to the side of her head, you know, to do the ending, uh, uh, you know, where the people, the crowd starts cheering you. So yeah, it was, um, it was pretty awesome. And, um, uh, so the cop lets her go, and and uh, I, I liked how it, it went because the cop they could have made it like the cop going, oh wow, that was unbelievable, but they made the cop act like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, he just kind of gave her a nod, like yep. you know, <laughs> and he hands her yeah, stuff, so cool. you know, and then, you know tips his hat, you know, good day, whatever, and he heads back to his car, and then she gets into the car, um, and yeah, she pulls out there's a piece of glass in her palm and she pulls it out with her teeth and spits it out the window and stuff um so you know even even though um she was able to do such a great thing you know it's it's still you know the side of the road where people throw beer bottles out and shit and uh well, that yeah, didn't stop the, the show it, she kept on even with that in her hand yeah 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 that's a good point yeah exactly i didn't even think of that she yeah she, i was thinking it happened at the at the very end, but yeah, that could have been the first thing that happened when she was doing the show. Because imagine if she was doing that, and then she she freaks out when it comes in and she falls over. The cop would say, "All right, you're drunk. You're coming in." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't. She keeps. It would add a whole different ending to the movie. 
Yes. 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 You know? So, yeah, no, no doubt. So, yeah, so she, uh, uh, and that's pretty much the last scene of the film right there when she spits out the glass. And, again, that is kind of triumphant, too. Um, and, again, there are, they're just little things, you know, like, like it's not like um, greatness as as greatness is defined, but it's awesome, and we all thought it was awesome. And then, you know, so a little thing like uh, the, a piece of glass in her hand isn't going to stop her either. So um, it was pretty awesome. Um, and, and that's the thing, too, is that, you know, even if the movie was good, which it was, that last scene makes the film awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. It was it was great. I would have thought the ending would have been a metaphor for her facing her fears and all that stuff. Because um, remember, she said that she fell like uh, on the balance beam once so hard and she hit her cooter really hard. Yeah. That's her words, not mine. Those are her words in the movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but she said that her coach made her get up and she ended up doing you know very well. So she already kind of faced her fears there. So I don't really think that ending was a metaphor for facing her fears. It was just about, you know, her having it together that last last dance, so to speak. It was really cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it isn't her facing her fears. It's her like uh, waking up. Yeah, her 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 hurrah, you know, uh, fist pump moment, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was pretty. It awesome. was her swan song on the balance beam, you know, like so to speak. Right. So to speak, exactly. There's another scene when they're in the house that I really like where um, Serena just puts her leg casually up all the way above her head and she leans against that pillar. I was just like, wow, she just made that look so easy. It's just yeah. like, whoop. <laughs> yeah, they, they were both very bendy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that, that's the honest truth, is, uh, and even the Nicole character, um, as we discussed, uh, those three women um, are professional uh, not just you know here as actors. Uh, one of them was a Olympian and a hurdlist. Other one is a professional dancer, and the third one is a stunt woman. So, so yeah. So they they definitely have history, um, uh, and were cast specifically for for their abilities, obviously. And I think uh, that was important to make the film feel more real. Well, and that's what's great about this film compared to say a film like Black Swan, and and no no disrespect to that movie because that movie was awesome, but and no disrespect to Natalie Portman because uh, she she was great in the film, but all the awesome ballet that you see in that film was not her. They they put her face uh, CGI'd on another dancer, similar to what you know uh, they did with Lena Headey when she was pregnant to, uh, and did the walk a shame. They they use a, a body double and they put her face CGI'd on, and so the thing that makes this movie way better when it comes to technical ability uh, for the, the actresses is that the actresses in this film were actually doing their own stunts and they were actually could do all the things that we saw, you know, versus say Natalie Portman who couldn't do a dance if she even tried, you know, so. Um, that's that that was amazing that uh these women can do that but again they they were cast to do it too i mean obviously uh they wouldn't have been gotten the roles if they could they couldn't do these type of work because it appears they weren't trying to go with first of all it's a low budget and second of all they, it appears they weren't trying to go with body doubles uh for the roles either um 
All right. Anything else? Mm, no, we found out that at the end of the movie that, you know, obviously didn't know it, that David Simone was obviously very sick when he shot this film, uh, dying of cancer. And, uh, that was, uh, you know, the, the movie's a little melancholy anyway. And then, you know, I kind of said it in the memory of, and then I went and read the bio and I was like, Oh man, that sucks. Yeah. 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 It appears that, uh, he was well, uh, liked and respected by all his co, uh, actors and actresses. And that, uh, um, his his death uh, left a a bad bad feeling for everybody uh, that was involved to the film. Even if he was that quote unquote despicable character, uh, in in a somewhat way, because he wasn't really that despicable. He's just a, a buffoon. Um, in real life, it appears that the the man was a was a was a really good guy. So that was a shame. Yeah, yeah, it's tough to yeah, bad. when you when, when you see stuff like that. Yeah, like, John, you you saw that movie Starlet, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The old lady and the young lady. Yeah, same thing. The old, yeah, the old lady and the young lady. The old lady, same thing. She died um, before the movie was released, and, and that film was dedicated. Oh, to I had no idea. No kidding, huh? Yeah, yeah. And that was her only film role, believe it or not. Wow. Really? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was uh, an excellent film. Um, yeah, another art house film. It was great, yeah. Yeah, uh, Cinema a la Carte, which is one of the podcasts on the Dark Discussions News Network, uh, did an episode on that film, episode three of Cinema a la Carte, so everybody should go check that out. Um, all right, so I guess uh, we can uh, give our final thoughts on this film here, but before we do, let's uh, do some uh, host cleaning. Uh, first off, once again, this is darkdiscussions.com, uh, Dark Discussions News Network. This is the Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Review Podcast, one of the many podcasts of the network. Uh, you should go to the website to check out all the news that is updated there daily, as well as all the, the podcasts. Uh, also, uh, we have Patreon, so if you want to donate, greatly appreciated, because again, everything here is free for you. And for your uh, listening pleasure and reading pleasure and whatnot. Uh, we don't get paid, but uh, we do have expenses. Uh, and also, if you email us, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, or press the contact us form on the darkdiscussions.com website, uh, we will read your emails on the podcast. So if you have opinions on this movie, um, please Cordial. Uh, email. Cordial opinions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're always willing to have critique as well, but yeah. again, we don't want trolls. So if you have legitimate emails that want to discuss uh, ideas for films to review, it doesn't have to be LGBTQ because, again, we're only doing it for the month, and then we're going to go back to whatever. Um, or if you have an opinion on this film or anything we've said about this film and you wanted to give your thoughts, uh, email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com. Um, also, uh, Barrett, uh, you... And I have done some podcasts in the past. We've done a lot. Which would you like me to list? We've uh, done some of the TV ones. Yeah, we did the stand earlier this year. Um, don't tell me, I'll tell you. The stand podcast. Um, we did that. That was a fun one. We also, in that, we reviewed Stephen King's book and we reviewed the original miniseries as well. Um, so that's a pretty fun one you should give a listen to. Um, we also do a Discovery of Witches podcast. Um, vampires, I can't remember the exact order. <laughs> witches, uh, vampires, demons. Oh, yeah. Uh, a Discovery of Witches, 
Vampires and Demons. Witches, Vampires, and Demons. There you go. Um, We do that as well, and that's in hiatus, but there is going to be another season. Uh, We did the first two seasons. Um, The first season was a one-episode thing, and we did a weekly on the second season, so we'll be doing that again next year when season three comes out. Um, And more recently, we did uh, the Nevers podcast. Um, and yep. that, uh, bodices and corsets, the never yeah, bodices and corsets. Um, that was a pretty fun one to do as well. Um, they're all fun to listen to, so you should listen to every single one of them. Yep. And we're, we're going to do a one-off episode on the mayor of Easttown, uh, yep. probably near the end of this month or early July. Uh, John, I mentioned that show to you. Uh, if you want to catch up on the seven episodes of that show, you can join us. We would gladly have you join us. Well worth that. watching. Even yeah, especially and, and as absolutely. And as I mentioned to you, John, if you like the movie AWOL, uh, you'll probably like Mayor of East Town because uh, it has the same kind of feel in, in Pennsylvania, uh, poor town, you know that type of thing, and the same type of issue. So it's a it's a really good show. Besides the thriller aspect. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Um, and so, another one so, we're going to be talking about probably is Black Summer is coming back on Netflix that's very right. soon. And we'll yep. probably, we may, will we do a weekly on that or are we going to just do a one episode thing on the whole, whole series? It's a good question. We'll have to ask Mike. Yeah, we'll have to ask Mike. I'm up uh, for a weekly. Uh, yeah. I felt like it's worth doing weekly because it's, you know, I felt like the one episode on the whole season, first season felt kind of like shortchanged. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've had the the director interviewed too. So maybe we will, if we, we do it as a weekly episode, we can get him on and as an extra bonus episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be cool. And then, um, uh, we may do, uh, uh, Soylent Green as well. Soylent Green as well. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I had just seen that on the big screen because you know how movie theaters were doing uh, older films during the COVID problem and uh, getting people in the theaters. And so I went to check that out and, and uh, got to see it on the big screen. And I forgot how awesome it is. And, and also how uh, important it is of a film uh, in this day and age, because it's, it's kind of ironic. Uh, yeah. That's like 50 years old and, and it is perfect for, for today, you know, and, and the film, it was 50 years old, but it's supposed to take place in 2020, which is kind of funny. So we're already past. I love that. I know. you got to love that. So many movies uh, now from back then are just like set in 2020 or 2021. Right, right. Like, Escape, ah. from, Escape from New York was another one. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so we, we'll probably have some of those episodes out. And then, of course, the Dark Discussions podcast, which is a weekly episode of uh, a podcast or it's a weekly podcast uh, that does episodes on uh, various genres of cinema. And uh, we just did A Quiet Place 2. We talked about that one just last week. Uh, the week before that, we talked about uh, the, uh, the Vigil, which is an indie horror film that takes place in New York. And the week before that, we talked about Jacob's Wife, uh, that I've mentioned a couple times tonight, and so on and so forth. So we've been talking about some good films. Uh, this week's episode, which will come out Friday, and uh, so by the time people hear this, it'll, it'll, already, it'll already be out, um, is Army of the Dead. So that one's coming out this week. Um, but A Quiet and, Place 2, number one of the year so far for me. What yeah. is it, Phil? It's the best film ever. Ah, yeah. 
That's right. Best <laughs> film ever. And it, and it stars my favorite actress, uh, Emily Blunt. And it's directed by Jim from The Office. So, uh, yeah, so there's some house cleaning. So I guess we can give our final thoughts on this one here. So, uh, uh, John, uh, let's give you final thoughts on The Gymnast 2006. Yeah, good flick. Um, enjoyed it. Um, I liked that uh, it, it didn't overplay the the fact that, you know, the, the co-main character was a lesbian. It just made it, it was just a happenstance that they, you know, she happened to be a lesbian and, and, and the other one was you know, thinking by entering into a lesbian relationship. Um, it was more focused on the character development of the two and in the, in the backstory and stuff. So I really enjoyed it. Um, slow burn in the beginning. Um, you know, excellent ending. No, nobody saw it coming. And uh, yeah, definitely a well done movie, well written. Um, and I like the, uh, the physicalness of it, you know, the, the, that they did their own stunts and, uh, the, the hyper fitness of uh, both both the three women that they kind of spotlighted in the beginning of the movie. Indeed, uh, yeah. For me, uh, yeah, yeah, I liked it a whole lot. Um, Drya, we- I think that's how you say her first name. Drya Weber, uh, she was really good. Uh, this was really her film from a, uh, beginning to end. Um, uh, she's a really good actress. Uh, unfortunately, um, she's. And the film is like we said, 15 years old, and 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 now she's in real life. I think she's in her early 60s. So, um, you know, it's not like someone that we're going to say that oh, she's an up and coming actress. You know, so uh, that isn't going to happen. But but uh, she does have a, a pretty good uh, uh, film roles here and there throughout her career. Uh, this one is definitely one of uh, uh, that she should be proud of. Um, the film was. Uh, uh, really good, uh, I guess, character study, I guess, because, again, it, most of the film is, is her character's perspective. And as Johnny mentioned, uh, it doesn't, the lesbian aspect isn't even important. It could have it been a man. It didn't matter. It was just that she was in a, a, a funk, and all these things just started popping up um, that made her suddenly, I guess, feel life again. So... Um, yeah, LGBTQ or not, the film is really, really more than that. And uh, yeah, uh, I recommend. Uh, Barrett. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I liked the character development. I really, I agree. I liked the physicality. I loved watching um, the aerialist stuff that they did. It was just a real pleasure to watch. And the ending was great. Um, I definitely give this a thumbs up. It was enjoyable to watch. All right, very good. So uh, once again, uh, the Gymnast is a 2006 film directed by Ned Farr. Ned Farr uh, is also the husband of the lead actress, Jer- Drea Weber. But the film also includes Addie Youngme as Serena, David DeSimone, rest in peace, as David, the husband. Uh, Allison Mackey played her friend Denise. Uh, Ma'am Smith played Nicole, the, the one that got the air list all together. And then Tony Horton played Chad, which I believe is the the jogger that um, uh, she was friends with in the neighborhood. Uh, the film uh, can be rented anywhere films are found. So uh, VOD it for two ninety nine generally, and you can probably purchase it through VOD as well if you like it that way. But you can also buy it as disc wherever you uh, order disc online. Um, there is a behind the scenes uh, thing, a uh, 20 minute thing 
on the disc with uh, um, Drea. We were talking about all the stunts and all that. So uh, it's a it's an interesting thing. So uh, for a few bucks more, if you're really interested in this film and want to hear more about the film, uh, the disc may be uh, I could pick up just for the fact of the extras. Uh, there's also a short film on the, on the, the disc as well uh, related to uh, Drea Weber and her husband, Ned Farr. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it. Uh, so uh, again, this is June 9th, 2021. Uh, the first film in our four film features uh, or themed month of uh, LGBTQ um, Pride Month, I guess. Um, and we'll, we'll have another topic next week. Uh, we already have that film picked out, and I already sent both Johnny and Barrett um, the name of it, and it will uh, you'll just have to wait and see. And uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, I guess with all that stated, Barrett, why don't you leave us out? Thanks for joining us on Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews uh, for this Pride Month. Um, join us next week where we bring you yet another film.